Welcome to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast, the place for first-gen students of color to prepare for grad school. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Fu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into and successfully navigate grad school. For over 10 years, I've been helping first-gen students of color get into top grad programs in their field, and I'm really excited to support you on your academic journey too. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Yvette, and today I have a really special episode for you all, all about the topic of overcoming adversity as a first-gen entrepreneur. Our guest is Dr. Evangeline D.B. Hudson. I'm sorry if I said your name wrong. No, you got it. You got it. <laughs> Affectionately known as Dr. Eve. <laughs> so I'll be, I'll be saying Dr. Eve from here on out. <laughs> um, Dr. Eve was raised in beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina by a single mom in a low socioeconomic household. She went on to become a first-generation college graduate and earned a PhD at the age of 28. Got some things in common there, single mama, getting our PhDs, yeah. uh, I got my PhD around that age. And now Dr. Eve is also the founder and president of Evangeline Worldwide, an entity created to empower first-generation scholars and professionals across the globe. Dr. Eve is committed to being a champion for historically underserved communities, creating safe spaces for growth, making pathways for social mobility, disrupting generational poverty, and building wealth through entrepreneurship. Oh, that sounded so good. Welcome so much to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Dr. Eve. I'm so excited. Can you tell? Me too. <laughs> Look, I've been waiting. This like feels like the longest time. So I'm glad we finally <laughs> made it happen. So I can tell. I hope that you can tell because I'm just like, this is so great. And you're so wonderful. So thank you for being, you know, open to have me in your space and for today, like finally happening. Yeah, yeah. So, the, you know, I, I feel um, so grateful with the timing. I think everything just turns out to, it just happens on on, on its own time. Uh, right now we're recording in December, but this episode is actually going to be released in January. You're going to be my first guest in the new year. <laughs> and I feel like that's such a great way to start off the new year with you and with your story. And I want folks to hear more about you because uh, ever since I learned about you and your work, I've felt really inspired by you. And I want other folks who, if they're not familiar with your work, to know a little bit more about you and what you do. And then if you're comfortable, I'd love to hear more about your backstory, uh, about how you got to where you are today. Well, thank you for that again. And inspired I'm like oh my goodness me like I'm just me but it, it just stop it's like you just said that like me in the same sentence but it it's a very affirming let me definitely tell you that you know as us as two women of color especially um to be seen and to be appreciated in the work that you do it just really really means a lot um but that backstory and how I got here and all the things um you you know really laid it out beautifully um you know where I'm from and how I was raised and evangeline worldwide you know being the company that I run which we're known for our brands, um, the First Gen Lounge podcast, the First Gen Shop, which is a first of its kind store, celebrating the first gen identity and first generation university, 
we do our programming and training and consulting, um, typically for organizations and before working, you know, with entrepreneurs who were pursuing consulting and speaking um, as a part of maybe their side hustle or full-time gigs. So I've dibbled and dabbled in a lot of things. Um, so at the time of this episode airing, you know, I'd be in my seventh year of being an entrepreneur full-time and it's definitely been not for the pain at heart. <laughs> so definitely um, an interesting experience, but my background is in higher education. And, you know, I loved everything I was doing in higher ed, but I used to not feel like, um, I used to feel like I wasn't supposed to be in one space. And you ever had to feel like I'm supposed to be doing something different, something more, something else, but I don't know what. And I wasn't someone who typically stayed in a job very long because when I knew I wasn't going to be there, I was out. And at some point I realized it couldn't have been, you know, necessarily the field or the people, the places, which honestly, this day and age, I'm thinking maybe it is. And maybe what is me because with, <laughs> with the way people are leaving now, I was like, goodness gracious. I just guess I figured it out first. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I'm I one of those people. <laughs> you're one of those people. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. So for me, it's like, I said, I said as long as I could and did the best that I could, but I got to a point where I was not well mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and for me, it was just taking a year off um, to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Because I mean, I'd gotten a degree, fully higher ed, you know, that's, I wanted to be a college president. And I was like, let me just take a year and just maybe there's something else. And about three months in, I was trying to be Susie Homemaker and it just was not working. You hear me? That's not who I am. <laughs> it's not what I was, not my destiny. And yeah. so I was like, why don't I just try the speaking thing finally? And I, I didn't have a blueprint for it or anything. I mean, I knew people who did speaking, but of course I was a speaker I was an entrepreneur and I didn't have a business. So, I mean, so many things I was so blind to, you know, at the beginning, because entrepreneurship wasn't a part of the the plan or the journey for me. I was literally taken off for a year and then tried one thing that became another thing that's become a seven year, you know, journey, which has been really good. So that's that essentially the backstory of how I got here, but why the work, you know, if that's the next question. And I think being a professional, and feeling like, is it just me? And being in these professional settings and trying to navigate, nobody else had been in a setting like this, you know, where I was from. Um, my mentors may have been, but of course their framework for doing things, in my opinion, depending on who it was, was different, right? Mm-hmm. But I just kept realizing it's gotta be because I'm first gen. And I knew that I was first gen. I learned that in grad school, ironically, right? Oh, I'm first gen. So I knew it was something. And I kept saying, I think it's because I'm the first. I think it's because I'm the first. And here's where I come from. And here's what I've been through. But how am I showing up and presenting in these spaces where I'm not a good fit or it's not working or I don't know professionalism well because I'm black. And so I just wanted to know if anybody else, is anybody else feeling like this and started the podcast in terms of, well, change the podcast. I had started it, but changed what it was to ask questions of others about their experiences. And 240 some odd episodes later, Clearly, I'm not the only one. So the work, though, um, for me and being first gen was inspired my own experiences and wanting to find community, but also to pour back into those um, who are like you and I to make sure that we can thrive and excel in the spaces that we exist and just feel good about life. So long answer to your short question. <laughs> I um, I think that a lot of the listeners of this podcast are going to relate to what you just shared about your first-gen experience about, you know, wondering, like, am I the only one about not quite always fitting in in spaces and about perhaps wanting more out of life and and kind of wanting to figure out what that next step is. And for you, you 
from what I'm hearing, because I, I may have interpreted this incorrectly, but from what I hear about your pathway is that it wasn't a straight and narrow path into entrepreneurship. And you were initially interested in, well, you're taking taking some time to kind of figure that out and you're interested in speaking and somehow you figure you figured out like okay this is entrepreneurship at some point in that trajectory it's seven years in now you, you're like okay I'm an entrepreneur uh, you're like now you're like the way yeah. your your bio everything we know like you're a first-gen entrepreneur it's it's clear and so I'm wondering like can you share a little bit more about that like that pivotal moment or I maybe it wasn't a moment maybe it was a series of of events that happened for you that made you realize oh wow I have pivoted into entrepreneurship and I am an entrepreneur and also like Mm. what does that even mean to you because I think that we all define it differently it's such a broad field it can mean so many things and there are also a lot of misconceptions about what it means to be an entrepreneur so I'd love to hear about kind of your view of entrepreneurship and also yeah a little bit more about that pathway of like becoming because that's a big deal that that becoming process goodness gracious I want to say girl listen (laughs) I was just talking to one of of my best friends this morning and they asked me you know hey how are you right and I was like you know essentially I shared how I was doing and I said becoming was the last thing that I said to them um so exactly right in that becoming because for me it was a series of events and things that were happening um one getting paid right so you show up as a speaker to get paid but there's some point where an organization may be like hey and where's your business id and where is this and where is that um doing stuff like on the side is one thing just kind of like i think some people say like under the table right um and not that i was under the table but i'm showing up i'm a speaker i'll fill out this w4 form i'm giving you my social security number but wait you need what? And now it's filing taxes and now it's going to workshops and seminars. So it was an ever evolving process and still evolving, but of learning, because again, I never set out to be an entrepreneur, but I wanted to be a speaker. And then you find out one day, oh, people have a speaking business because my, the folks that I knew were speakers, but wait a minute, this is a business that <laughs> there's something more to this. There are leads to get and there's contracts assigned. Let's not even get on the contracts piece, right? There's negotiation, there's travel, there's the presentation itself and then starting to learn about value and worth and outcomes and so many things. And at some point you realize, oh, this is bigger. <laughs> this is much bigger than what I thought it was. Um, and then you get asked the question, are you a small business owner? Are you an entrepreneur? And that's something that a friend said one day. And depends on who you are, depends on what you lean toward. But there was something about the entrepreneur that stuck out to me because I know what entrepreneur was. Let's just be straight up, straight up. When I started, I didn't, I couldn't have defined entrepreneur for you, right? At all. And this wasn't that long ago, <laughs> but it's like, how else do you think businesses run? I don't know. Managers. So, so oblivious. So like, honestly, oblivious, like to even think about, yeah, how do people start businesses or how, how does this happen? Where do you get money from and, and all these things? So um, entrepreneur, because of the whole venture and even me liking to do many things. So not really sticking to necessarily one, just small business, although that's what I have, but I have many things happening within that small business. Right. And so like, here we are. Um, But for me, more than anything, I can't tell you there was one moment, of course, right. That told me you are, this is what you're doing. This is what you're becoming. It was being exposed and talking to folks and figuring it out along the way. 
Um, but I'm glad that it happened this way because I've essentially done it my way. And that's what's been really great about it. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at with it. When you say I've done it my way, I, what, is, what does that mean? Um, like, uh, I'm just curious to know a little bit more about um, the way that entrepreneurship looks like for you. You know, what is, uh, I think that there's a lot of, um, what's the word, uh, maybe mystery or just a lot of things that happen behind closed doors when you're an entrepreneur that folks mm -hmm. don't see. They only see what has been curated or what has been shared publicly, but there's a lot that goes on um, in becoming uh, an entrepreneur. So yeah, I would love for you to kind of maybe say a little bit more of, about that. Of course. So let me, let me approach it this way. What are you and I, when we look at each other, when you see me, what do you see? First gen, woman of color, entrepreneur, edupreneur, multi-passionate individuals. <laughs> Go get okay, it. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I love We're, it. Okay. <laughs> now, we collect, now we collect first. That's like one line <laughs> that I heard from another speaker on the podcast. And um, her name is Dr. Lisa Sanchez. She says, I'm first gen. I collect first. And I love that. And I think about that as like first gen entrepreneurs. Yeah. That's dope. I really love that. So now think about this. When you think about business, who do you think about? Who do you think about first? Well, I mean... I think that from the public perception, I don't picture folks that look like you and I, but from a, uh, for me, like personally, um, when I think of entrepreneurs, I also think of like brick and mortar type of businesses. Mm -hmm. And I think about people like my mom, who's first gen, Mex um, I'm sorry, she's first gen in the US, Mexican immigrant in the US who, who had to start her own brick and mortar business to make ends meet when struggling to get any other job. And I know that a lot of other immigrant families have had to turn to entrepreneurship as a means of, of getting by. So I think about two things. I think about publicly, the big names, not people that look like me, but then privately, intimately, personally, the folks in my surroundings and my communities who have had to sell to support their families. I love that. And so without, I guess, necessarily realizing how much you hit the nail on the head, you did, because how your mom had to do it, how I have to do it, how anybody else does it, people sometimes think it's one way, that you have to have brick and mortar, that you have to have a business partner, that you have to have a big team, that you have to have a large brand to be successful, and for me, what's important to me, what is success for me, what is making impact for me, and so I was fascinated with this online space. So people, people, if you never realized it before, realize now I am an online business. <laughs> I have been online for, since I started, right? Yes, I go in person to go do my speaking engagements with my stores online, my podcast is online, um, everything. My, my university, when you go to that to get anything, my online courses, online programs, online trainings, everything has been online. And so even to be a black woman in this space, because there are a lot of people who have businesses and they think I'm going to start a business. I need to find a space. I need to get along. I need to have this. I need to do that. And I'm like, well, no, what makes sense to me? And what do I want to look like? Even down to my branding, you know, you and I have talked recently, you know, about me coming onto the show and I'm like, I'm not, I don't have a full face. And I'm not this and I'm not that because who you see right now is who I am. Yes. And I had to get out of this idea that I needed to show up in a, a business suit and a blazer and this. Not, don't get me wrong. I love a blazer. Love a blazer. I love a <laughs> denim jacket. But for me, 
I wanted to make sure that whoever I would be, that somebody like yourself and others could see themselves in me, that I could redefine what entrepreneurs look like. So for me to be in a hat with a hoodie on and my hoops, right? I love it. And I'm an entrepreneur. Doesn't mean I'm not professional. Doesn't mean that I'm not skilled because I am all those things and I can deliver and I know when to look like what and where, but for what it's worth, I want another woman who's comfortable like I'm comfortable and to say, I can, I can be that and I can do that. And I don't have to look a certain part or be a certain way. So it was very important for me to not only foster a space in this online world, right? Where I'm seeing many people who don't look like me making bank, honey, big bank. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they do live events here that they do things, but I'm like, well, this feels right. Cause I can be remote and I can work in Dallas or I can go to New York or I can work in California. And I've never been a person like we talked about, you know, shortly or just, you know, just recently, I've never been somebody who's been bound to a space. Yeah. So it didn't make sense to me to try to do a brick and mortar because I wasn't going to be happy with that. So I'm happy that I can still fulfill orders and granted, there are some things that still have to be traditional in some ways, but I don't have to worry about storefront things or that overhead that comes with it. Now, there yeah. are other things that I do have to worry about, but nonetheless, it just works for me. Hire your team, hire your people to do your fulfillment, and I can be fulfilling stuff or getting things done from a completely different state while I'm working on a speaking engagement. So there's things that works for me, but the point being, I don't want people to get so tied to, because this person did it this way, I have to do it this way. Right. Do it the way that makes sense to you and learn and pull from the things that make sense. Right. Um, so that's where we where we are with it. And not every person who's doing this is a white male. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we're here. We're here to show that. <laughs> we're here to show that. Absolutely. absolutely. For the folks who um, are listening on like a, a podcasting app, I want to encourage you all to check out the video because this is going to be on YouTube as well so that you can take a look at mm -hmm. how awesome Dr. Lee, how Dr. Eve looks with her cute hoops and her cute Dr. Eve hat <laughs> and her cute swag with the black hoodie. Thank <laughs> you. Yes, girl, yes. <laughs> can, you, can you tell us what you're, what, I see millionaire, but what is, it says future. Yes. Future first generation millionaire. Nice. Goals. Nice. Goals. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And it says in the shop, so if you plan on being a future first generation millionaire, go ahead and copy one, like represent. <laughs> yes, we'll add a link to the shop in today's show notes for sure. So we're here to also talk about first-gen entrepreneurship and adversity in entrepreneurship in particular. So um, I'm in that I'm in that steep learning curve right now. I'm only a year into like this full-time entrepreneurship journey. And so I, I'm really feeling the adversity right now. Yes. <laughs> but I'm wondering for you, seven years in, um, what has adversity looked like for you? What are some of the major hurdles? I'm assuming there's more than one, um, because I know that's true for a lot of folks who are yeah. in entrepreneurship and have stayed um, over the years, because not everybody stays. Um, so yeah, what are some of the major hurdles that you have overcome or that you're in the process of overcoming? Definitely appreciate that question, um, because it's, we should talk about this more clearly, right? Um, uh, back in the beginning just getting started and not knowing what to do so many people think that your first year you know like some folks oh I made 10k in the first five months or the first two months no I didn't I didn't make nothing <laughs> you know because it's 
I was trying to figure it out and how much did I have to give for free? And what is it like to build this business? Mm -hmm. You know, being B2B or B2C, who's my ideal customer and avatar? When you don't know those things, I was just figuring, like I said, figuring it out, trying to trying to know what to do, who to talk to, how to communicate. Again, how I could help solve problems within these organizations so that they would want to hire me and bring me in. Hell, even asking to be hired, to pitch yourself at all, to say, I've got these amazing talks and to establish for me at the time, what my talks were versus I can talk about anything for everybody because I just need to get out there. Whereas I had to like, you know, get more laser focused, right? But that challenge and just not knowing and not knowing who to turn to or what questions to ask because I didn't feel like I had those resources nor that I had a business background to even be like, okay, I need to start here. So it was really YouTube and Google that got me started and going to seminars and meeting people and finding out who around me were entrepreneurs and beginning to, again, take in all the knowledge that I possibly could. Um, had a personal situation happen um, for which, you know, kind of set me back for a couple of years. And again, personal life happens. People are going to pass. There are going to be yeah. financial things that may come up. Um, sometimes it may be stuff with health that comes up that puts you in a space where you can only do so much. And so the difference between even at the time being a solopreneur and then having a team, which typically my team is made up of those who are contractors, um, works for me for where I am in my business, Right. But at the time, if I stopped, my business stopped. And that's something that a lot of people don't really get to think about or don't really consider. Like if I'm out of the office, no emails are getting answered. No phone calls yeah. are going out <laughs> versus, you know, for others, that's again, something that can stop or, but you've got to build to get there. Um, and then when I got to a place where your girl was every weekend, I'm in Texas, I'm in New York, I'm going to California, I'm going to DC, I'm going to different parts of North Carolina, the panty hit. Mm-hmm. And nobody could have prepared me to watch my business crumble overnight. So here I was, not uh, because I did something wrong, not because I said something absurd on social media, not because I offended anybody, not because I felt to deliver on something. It was literally the act of God that are in contracts that can get everybody out of them. Everybody could be out of it because yeah. at this point, who did ever thought? And I was, I had finally felt like I made it, like was getting to where I needed to go in the ways I needed to and was feeling fantastic about it. Um, and I and I had to really grieve through the loss of a business that I had been building at this point now, I want to say for like four years, right? How do I even figure this thing out because I don't have many tangibles because I'm service oriented, right? Um, but even the tangibles, because in service, people started cutting stuff off. Services were the first things to go. Most people will mm -hmm. tell you that. And then when you think about the speaking engagements, if they're not having these, and people aren't prepared to move to virtual. So though I'm prepared, because I've, I've been Zooming and I told somebody, you know, we used to joke, oh, we've been quarantined the whole time? You know, like what? Like, I mean, I've always <laughs> had online meetings and way of yeah. connecting with people just through Zoom. So I was very familiar and ready to go, but others were not. So there was no way to essentially pivot more smoothly. And all I had that was tangible at the time was a book. And even trying to convince people of more of the online programs that I had yet to really develop. Because I'm like, I'm out here speaking right now. I'll get to that later. So how do you save yourself? And then to think like, I can't call family and say, I need 50K to get through this. I need yeah. 100K to invest in this. And let me turn it up on my ads a little bit for this. Cause I'm not running Facebook ads. I'm B2B. So I'm looking for my people in different spaces through referrals mm -hmm. on LinkedIn, right? Um, and here I am. You left your job, your comfortable salary some years ago, you know, to be able to pursue this entrepreneurial thing. And yet stuff just keeps happening. <laughs> So what, so what do you do? So things are going to come up 
but I'll tell you this. I've always had in mind like this vision that's, it just, I can't shake it. I can see like what's there for this business and what I'm doing. And it still feels unbelievable because I'm thinking with what I've had to be able to do any of it, how the hell did I get here? But it's like, I, I know there's a knowing, right? And mm-hmm. that's helped me to get through all of it and say, this didn't work. Now what next? So I have no speaking engagements. I'm going to cry and boohoo and cry and boohoo. And these contracts one by one, hey, we're going to have to reschedule. We're going to have to cancel. And I'm like, Oof. I can't tell you no. Yeah. But there goes 5K. There goes six. <laughs> there goes your your livelihood and your well-being. Mm. Right. And you can't even you can't even say when anything is going to turn around for you to even be able to get back on your feet. So, okay, what can I do now? So while I'm crying and boohooing, what can I offer now to do something? Okay, here comes the first online course. And people were, you know, gobbling it all up in the beginning. And then eventually people got exhausted, right? Of online programs and things. So it's just been a wave. Um, And even to now, the greatest adversity is I'm growing, (laughs) right? (laughs) Got to get more people. Got to find more money and funding to be able to do things that only was online before, but now it's requiring that I'm going to have to maybe find a warehouse to put stuff in for the store to fulfill some of these large orders that are coming in because of how things have grown. And out of the the pandemic came the shop. One of the best things I'd ever done for my business, right? But now I've got tangible things that people like. I mean, they they love the speaking and stuff too. Let me get me wrong about that. But something that people like to hold on to things. And so how do I do that? Now thinking insurance, contract versus employee versus distance versus all kinds of things, right? But I love it. It's the only thing that's kept my attention. So again just to give you the fullness of what that's been and how I'm overcoming I know that it's something greater than me and I have a vision like and though it's not crystal clear I just just this this feeling of the people I'm supposed to touch and the way I'm supposed to touch them like I just I it's there and I refuse letting things stop me so that's how you get through it and you ask questions the people around you who have experiences and ideas and things that they can offer to you. So I'm willing to be vulnerable and say, I need some damn help. Or, hey, I don't know what I'm doing with this. Can somebody, or hey, I just need to cut this off because it's not working. And that's what's gotten me to seven years. And I'm praying for, I want to say 70 more, but I'm not sure at this age. That's (laughs) But you know, I'll take it. (laughs) That's wild because... Um, you know, I, I, earlier you mentioned kind of like that you wouldn't stay in your jobs long because, you know, you're ready for the next thing. And now that you're in, uh, in entrepreneurship, I don't get that sense. You're saying 70 more, um, because there's so much that you can do with it. Yes. Uh, so there's yes. so much growth that's, um, the potential that's there. And yes. another thing that I heard, you know, and what you were sharing just now, is a strong sense of conviction, you know, perhaps what some people call a calling or a sense of intuition or following your gut or listening to the voice in the back of your head, not the limiting belief one, but the one, you know, outside of that, (laughs) behind that. (laughs) And I, I can't help but think like, how do you arrive at this moment where you 
were you trusting yourself enough to listen to that voice, you know, to listen to, to have that strong sense of conviction? Because I know I can relate to that. I have this strong feeling of like, I know why I'm doing what I'm doing, who I'm trying to support. This is bigger than me. I want to make a bigger impact. And it, it feels like it sounds silly to say, but it feels like a calling. Like I, I just, it's bigger than even me. <laughs> Mm. and Mm -hmm. and I I mean I don't know how to tell others like just listen I I mean I say it all the time listen to your gut listen to your intuition like trust yourself your body has years and years of experience even outside of your lived body like the experiences of your ancestors too um (laughs) and so like how how do you teach this stuff like as fellow educators like how do we encourage folks um, who maybe have that, that that voice too, but they're just not quite, maybe they they aren't feeling as confident yet, or maybe they are, I don't know, or I need a, a little bit more experience to, to trust mm-hmm. in themselves a little bit more. But yeah, where did that, where does that come from? Where did that sense of conviction come from? Mm-hmm. I don't even know if there's an answer to that. Yeah, yeah, you you just dropped the ball today, didn't you? Like in in a good way. Like, well, I want to say another B word, and not a, the bad word, but B O M B. But I don't want to, you know, to be in trouble mm-hmm. or like that. Like, we're not doing anything wrong here because you know they be listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but ah, uh, you just know, you just know, like you, you knew, you knew. At some point, nice to say this to people, at some point it becomes too painful to do what you're doing now. Mm. It becomes too limiting. It becomes too burdensome. It becomes too, it becomes too much. And you just can't stay trapped or wrapped up in this thing. And you just know when I am going to listen to this show maybe six months, a year from now and be like, girl, because I mean, again, if only you, if only you knew, because there are things in my life now, just to be very candid with you about that how do I know that I'm ready Mm. but then you look back and think at every moment in time didn't I trust myself or didn't I know something wasn't there something that just just grabbed you right and made you say I got to I I got to like I'm scared Mm -hmm. I don't know I don't feel like I have all the answers but something's got to change so until people get that uncomfortable and until that that voice becomes from little to like you know little little steward to shrek and it's screaming people aren't going to change but they've got to realize that what you're looking for is typically on the other side of fear and i am Mm. seriously thinking about talking to you about this out loud and thinking my gosh i can't wait to hear this and see where my life is six months and a year from now because of this very question because i've I've asked how do you know how do you just oh how do you know how do i know that i'm ready to hire you know somebody in in person like in in the states right because i do outsource across these for various things but how do i know that this warehouse is a really good idea how do i know that i'm really going to hit this six-figure mark you know at this particular time just for this one part of the business alone how do i know i don't know but i do know because the way i'm changing the way that i'm moving like you said and i love the perfect word the conviction is just too much it's too strong i've thought several times take your ass back to work just go back to work. Make it easy. Get yeah. your insurance, get your little check. But I'm thinking, 
do you know how beautiful my life is right now? Mm. Do you know the joy? And like you said, I can't see myself doing anything else. So even the thought of going back to work is that's painful for me. <laughs> Physical pain comes to me when I think about that. Oh my God. So, <laughs> you mean you relatable? say that? Yeah. Yes. Because, well, I mean, uh, as someone who you is chronically ill, I'm chronic, I, I am someone who's chronically ill and I literally get stomach aches at the thought of going at the thought. back. Because it's like, again, it hasn't been perfect. Who's funding yeah. these things? I'm self-funded. I've gotten a couple of grants. I've taken out a couple of loans. So I've done things, right? But as soon as it comes in, it goes out. And then people say, oh, you're making all this money. But there are mm. operational expenses yeah. that y'all haven't accounted for that people can say I made six figures, but how much of that was profit? So mm. don't get fooled by the six figures, right? Can but we? point being- yeah, You just you shared something. Uh, well, uh, a little bit. But I, what I want to get to is- Going back to this conversation about um, there's a lot of stuff that folks don't know about entrepreneurship. Like one thing is like, it's one thing how much the business makes. And it's another thing, how much you make. Uh, mm -hmm. Like a lot of folks are making just a fraction of what the business, you know, because of having to pay taxes and overhead and all these other things that you're paying for that no entity, no institution is paying for your Zoom or your bookkeeping yeah. or what, you know, like you're yeah. paying for that. Um, but I guess my, my, the bigger question for me is not just that, like that conversation of like folks have this impression that you might be making a lot more than what you actually might be making. And two, that there is a problem with wanting to make a lot of money. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. um, but what, what do you wish that others knew about entrepreneurship who haven't pursued this path? Because there are a lot of misconceptions and there is a good deal of judgment. I know I've experienced that. I felt that from folks in higher ed spaces uh, when, you know, we've been kind of taught this message of like, be happy with the breadcrumbs mm. that you get and yeah. you should be doing yeah. things for the love of it and not necessarily for the pay. Um, I remember hearing someone who was a colleague of mine who would say, oh, we don't do this for the money because we don't make any. And then everybody would just laugh. <laughs> and I used to think it was funny. I don't think it's funny anymore. Yeah, mm -hmm. so. But it, it's, it's laugh at it though. You laugh at it though, because it is. Because you couldn't have convinced me that I needed to care about money yeah. because do good. And who am I to think that I should make money because I don't come from money? Now I'm like, oh, okay, y'all can kiss my ass back. <laughs> because I, at, the, at this point, money is a tool money is mm -hmm. a resource and wealth is important because think about how many of us come from these tremendously difficult adverse backgrounds whose parents are leaving us nothing because they don't have it to leave so all of our lives we spend hustling and bustling trying to make it to have a better life and take care of them so we're in the sandwich generation like taking care of our parents and then if we have our own kids taking care of them too yeah yep 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 and then how do you prioritize how do you tell you know mom or cousin or brother sister no when you know that they may not have it right how do you set that boundary but then yeah. you out here taking trips and living your best life and buying ten dollar honey so there's there's things that you know, when you think about like entrepreneurship, it's really for me, it's freedom and freedom is mm -hmm. my number one value. And it's also the potential for wealth. Cause if I'm in a job and I just got my doctorate or I just got this certification and you're only going to give me two or $3,000 in my raise. And I still, I'm going to have taxes taken out of that. Right. And insurance. And I still have to do all the things like it is, it is an opportunity. If you even see how the tax system is set up, yeah. it's set up for business. 
people yeah. are out mad about some of these political things with businesses i'm like because y'all don't know this is there's a reason if you think about our foundation as a country and I, it hit me like a ton of bricks a few years ago to be married to have children to have a business that is the american dream that's the real mm. american dream and if you can figure that out because of the tax write-offs that you get for stuff for business just alone you're like i can write what off do what it's like and that's fully legal when i first learned about that stuff i thought it was a joke i was like what and it's no and way it's no joke yeah and it's no joke right I was like, you are you sure we're gonna get in color. trouble <laughs> no because it's written in black and white but because yeah. we don't know so let me work my job let me work two and three more jobs let me get more yeah. money okay well the new year's coming let me increase my price right let me mm -hmm. give myself my own raise and then let me make sure that I can ensure the quality of life that I'm looking for. So me having to change my prices for things is a reflection of me keeping up with the industry, knowing the value and understanding what I'm bringing to the organization in terms of helping them reach their goals. Yeah. And if I know people who don't look like me are charging two and three times more what I'm what I'm charging at some of the same places, come on now. You can't play me for boo-boo the fool no more. Yeah. <laughs> but even for what it's worth, entrepreneurship and like operationally, I'm charging this cost because I have costs. I have people to pay. I have yeah. training to do. I have insurance. I have computers. I have leases. I have gas. I have paper and I have conferences and I have vending. I have licenses and yes. people don't think about that. So maybe you're reaching out and oh, I can pay 500 is baby. That don't take care of my podcast editing. That don't, mm -hmm. that don't help. So it's like, appreciate the thought. And to feel like, especially as women of color and people come from educational backgrounds, that we're supposed to do people favors yeah. in corporate spaces, they ain't got time for that. I mean, I've had far fewer people in corporate spaces reach out to get something for free than I have in education nonprofit spaces. Because, of course, the mindsets in the world are completely different. Whereas for this nonprofit space, we need to ask and get as much as we can free because we don't have the money. Mm -hmm. Corporate you know, corporation organization will reach out. Hey, we're looking to get 500 of this and it's paid. Whoa, <laughs> I'm not used to this, but I yeah. can get used to it. So there are things that even as you think about entrepreneurship and again, how you want to function, if it's real estate, if it's, you know, classes and courses and certifications and your local government and your LLC fees, and you have to fund it all. Yeah. Your business has to fund it all. I don't get the luxury anymore because it's a luxury if you think about it to go to work and maybe you can pay for this conference, but I can know my offices are going to be totally decked out in the way that it needs to be, but I got to buy that furniture now. Mm -hmm. And now when an employee is, you know, sick, I got to pay for that other person to come in and do whatever thing needs to be done. And let's not even talk about the human resources piece and finding the right contractors and people to do the work yeah. and what that turnover looks like and then having to find another and how they can hold up a project. So I can talk for days about this. Mm -hmm. We may need to do it part two. Like what? <laughs> but I will say service-based and product-based. And if it's product and if it's suppliers, if it's vendors, if it's, you know, supply chain demand. I think it was Canada ran out of lettuce. Ran out of lettuce. So they got sandwiches sitting in the, in the, the little thing, the display uh -huh. with no lettuce on them. <laughs> and I was like, we have a lettuce shortage. But what do you do when shipping delays are happening? And again, stuff is not being imported within enough time and then there's gas stuff and so there's so many things to think about but industry matters and then again consulting service-based versus product-based there is a vast difference um one with services you can make far more money in terms of like that profit margin but then with products while you can sell more 
you may have a smaller profit margin because of what you've had to invest in it. So there's a lot. There's a lot. It is a lot. But it's also why I stay in this because I never stop learning or growing or finding something that I'm kind of like, oh my goodness, that was amazing. And I I get high off of it. <laughs> I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, give me another fix. Come on. But it's, it is it is beautiful because you realize too how powerful you are as well. And the other thing is I'm not limited to serving here. I serve a global market. So yes, I have to think about so many things, but it keeps me, keeps me sharp and keeps me open. So thank you for that question. Cause clearly I know I'm a little long with these, but I'm like, she's actually, oh, no, 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 I am glad. That's what I wanted you to share because awesome. we're not having these conversations enough. There's a lot, there's a lot that is uh, left unspoken. And there's a lot of questions that I know that before I went into this world and pursued this, I was often wondering like, so how does it work? And why do they charge so much? And, you know, like they must be making so much money if they're charging this much hourly or, and I had that, that judgment too of like, how dare they blah, blah, blah. But, and now being on the other side of things, I realized that it was, a, a big part of it was being caught up in an environment full of scarcity that it was hard yes. for me to see yes. outside of that. So then once I yes. got out of the scarcity and the toxicity of certain spaces, I was in, I'm not saying all academic spaces are this way, but a good amount this of them true. are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but and, there's some really good ones out there. Shout out to them. Yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, being being outside of it, I realized, oh wow, like there is there are so many opportunities out there that I didn't even realize because again, I was made to feel like you should be grateful for what you're getting. You should be grateful yeah. for this job. You should be grateful for this salary that's under market. Uh, only to find out, you know, I was getting paid like almost thirty thousand dollars less than my predecessor. You know, like stuff like that. Where I was like, mm, happened to me. That happened to me. I don't know about this, you know, like, so once I was outside of it, I could think more clearly about kind of why I was feeling that way, why I was making those, those judgments. And I want folks to know, I want folks to have a better idea and to also have another option because, Mm -hmm. you know, your, your background is also like higher education, just like I am. We probably have a love of learning And what I love about entrepreneurship that you just shared so clearly is that there is never a time you're not learning. It is never boring. And the sky's the limit in terms of what you can do with it. So it's just another option for folks to think about. They don't necessarily have to go this route. Maybe it's a little bit too much right now. (laughs) Hearing all this, like, oh, I don't know if I want to sign up for that. But I know there might be a couple of folks who are listening to you, who are listening to our conversation and thinking, maybe I want to go that route, or maybe I hadn't thought about it, but now that I'm hearing about it, like maybe I want to go and try it out. So um, I guess my next question for you is what words of advice do you have for folks who are a little curious or interested, or maybe they're already on that path through a side hustle and they're thinking about maybe making this a full-time career? Mm. Mm, that's really good um your business can fail but would it be better to find out what could have been than to never know so 
if that, take the chance, explore it, um, see what can happen at the very least, because me getting to this seven year mark was because I wanted to explore an idea and see what could come of it. And the part I didn't say is I told, you know, my spouse, Hey, let me just see the year. Okay. Let's get to two years. And if it's not anywhere by two years and then three years, and he's fully supported me in that because there was more to be curious about and more to do and more to learn and then be exposed to. And I, I just couldn't stop. I got addicted, but I wouldn't have known had I not taken the chance, had I not been willing to do what was uncertain. Um, cause I, I mean, I didn't know, but you have the ideas, you have the skills, you have the ability, you just got to try. And again, it's better to have a felt business than a dream to never come true. Ooh. That's a bar. Make sure run this back. It's better to have a failed business than a dream that never yeah. comes true. Oh, that was Ooh. that was so good. Oh goodness gracious, yeah. Oh man, I just hit myself with that one. Um, so glad, glad I did. So, but no, but really, so at this point, you know, I can say that I tried. If for whatever reason I do decide that, let me just go ahead and choose a softer life and move into you know a corporation, which is what I would do. Honestly, this go around. And likely I might've got, got my eye on tech because I really want to partner more with tech companies because again, they are just really innovating in some special ways. But point being, you know, I could, but at least I would know, but it's also knowing and seeing what's happening that I just don't want to stop. And that could happen, but you have what you need within you. You have what you need within you. Don't doubt it. Just go for it. And you don't have to rush. I'm not in a rush anymore. This is a lifelong thing that I'm in. Ooh. I'm not trying to hurry up and move to director in two years or get to president in, in 10. I'm just on a journey and I'll build it and, and nice and slow. And then it'll get real big. And then I'm like, oh, I mean, it's gotten bigger than I thought now. I mean, but I never really had a true thought of how big I started thinking numbers in the past few years. And I'm like, golly, but don't sleep on your dream, y'all. Don't sleep. Don't sleep on it. That was that was so great. <laughs> you 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 shared so many gems, so many quotes that I can pull out from from just that one answer, that one response to that question. Um, it's been really, really nice having this conversation with you. I know that folks are who may be introduced to you for the first time are gonna wanna hear more from you. So for folks who want to stay in touch, who want to follow your work, wanna support everything that you do. How can they follow you? How can they reach you? Absolutely. So I am, like I said, in these internet streets, um, or internet streets, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram, all Eve Hudson PhD. And in any one of those you find, you can get links to my, well, links, access to my websites, uh, be it the First Gen Shop, the First Gen Lounge, or First Generation University. And I mean, a quick Google search as well, but if you look either one of those ways, I ain't trying to make it too hard, but in any streets, anywhere you are that I am, Eve Hudson PhD would probably make it the easiest. Nice. I will make sure to add the links to your websites and to your socials in the show notes so that folks can easily find you. 
Um, well, that that was our conversation. I want to thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing all your words of wisdom, knowledge, experience. I feel like I learned a thing or two myself as well <laughs> as a relatively new entrepreneur. Um, so thank you. I'm so glad we made this happen. And I'm excited for folks to hear more from you and to follow and support your work. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate you again, just for the opportunity, because I know that it's your space and to have me as an honor. I appreciate what you do and how you do it. And I really pray, you know, and in hope when I, I believe that what you are, what you have going on is going to continue to flourish in ways that it's going to just make you sit sometime and be like, my goodness. So stay, oh, stay the course, stay the course. And again, you. thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Femtoring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, here are three ways you can support the show. The first is to make sure you're subscribed and leave a review of the podcast. If you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, you become eligible for a free half-hour coaching session with me. Yes, that's right, one free session. Once you leave a review, you can email me a screenshot and I'll send you a link to sign up. The second way to show your love is to get yourself a copy of my free 15-page grad school femtoring kit, which includes resources on research, organization, grad school, and career prep. Go to gradschoolfemtoring.com slash kit to get it today. The third and last way to support my show is to follow me on social media. I am on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and occasionally TikTok with the handle at Grad School Fan Touring. Thanks again and until next time.